Hey everyone, welcome to the first interview from Learning the Venture. To kick off this new series, I couldn't think of anyone better than my good friend, Connor Walsh, to join me today. Connor, how are you, mate? Jason, I'm good. It's a long time no see. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think this is the first time in five years since we've been exactly. yeah. yeah, Yeah. Crazy. How's all in Bermuda? It's good. It's good. It's nice weather today. Can't complain. It was a little little cold last week, but uh, but doing well. How about yourself? All good, but please don't ask me about the weather here in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in Ireland at the moment? Or? I'm in Ireland, yeah. I'm yep. in Ireland yep. on my sabbatical. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. So for those of you that might be curious as to our relationship, Connor and I did our master's together at UCFB Wembley back in 2019. So since then, we've both come from a fairly long way. So it's good to catch up and see what we're up to. So before we dive in, Connor, why don't you just give us a bit of a background um, where you're at now? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Jason. I um, really do appreciate you having me as the inaugural guest on Learning Adventure, which, um, to be honest, is a quality newsletter and implore everyone to subscribe to. Um, Jason and myself, as he spoke about, became acquainted um, at the UCFB Masters, which I undertook alongside Jason and 20 or so others uh, back in Wembley in 2018, 2019. So it's kind of been a whirlwind since then. Um, upon completing my Masters, I was coaching at Barnet alongside doing my project management um, afterwards, was moved to Dubai to work for the infamous Barris Academy over there as a head coach for two seasons. And I'm just after finishing my stint at FC London, which is a first division club in Canada. In amongst all of that, um, I founded and currently host uh, the Lowdown podcast, which as of February this year is three years old. So it's a brilliant podcast, I'd like to think. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's one of those where I kind of wasn't too enthused um i would say coming out of college and with all the knowledge that we had jason in terms of i thought there was a real dearth of football content out there kind of long form in its very nature and what i'm trying to aspire to do and what i hope i am doing currently with the podcast project is enabling the likes of first team coaches ceos and sporting directors to come on the show and just share anecdotes and insights regarding basically the wisdom which they've ascertained today and from their wonderful careers so yeah 150 episodes in nearly three years later so i'm getting old with the podcast game jason nice 150 episodes is actually really crazy so here we are in episode one so hopefully hopefully in three years then i'll be at the, i'll be at the same same episode count as you bit by so, bit yeah so you started out after UCFB at FC Barcelona in Dubai, correct? Correct. So how did that compare, I guess, to your experience at FC London um, in Canada? Obviously, very different places, obviously. But in terms of your role in coaching, how did that, how did that differ for you? Yeah, it's fascinating because, obviously, the words Barca, La Masia are synonymous with anyone in youth development. So... I've kind of been afforded two years with Barris Academy. Save Tufek, um, who's the owner of Strike Sports at the time and CEO of the Barris Academy, and then Technical Director Ruben Morales over there. It's very, very fortunate to work alongside really good people in the project. Um, being in the Middle East working with Barris Academy was enlightening and fascinating. Um, kids over there, it's very much a pay to play system, Jason. So 
what you have over there is an awful lot of ballers and football is by far the most popular sport in the Middle East. Dubai, I believe, as of as of speaking with you now, there's 92 academies in the entire region. So you can only imagine the competitiveness. So I was working there as a lead academy coach for the under 12 to under 16 phase. And amongst all of that too, I also coached under seven and under 10 teams. So it's, it's interesting how the season runs in Dubai. It runs from September all the way through to June. But I would say they'd rather do away with the March to June piece as the weather gets so <laughs> so ridiculously hot. Um, I would say a big turning point for me in my time in Dubai was the summer I would have spent then in between Jason in July and August 2022. Uh, I took a trip to the US, visited on a study exchange really, visited 15 uh, MLS and USL clubs, getting an overarching kind of view of the landscape in North America. North America was always a place I aspired to kind of live and basically have a footballing career in. Um, it was somewhere I lived before in San Francisco for a few years, so really wanted to get back and just laying down seeds there. Um, I suppose the friction then between the Middle East and North America for me was, I would say there was an awful lot of good work being done at the academy level in Dubai, but football there for me wasn't necessarily that much of a necessity and hence I found players pathways to kind of be blocked in certain not all but certain um, circumstances from that youth to senior level so I suppose kind of the thing is as a coach you have aspirations as you do with a player you want to rise through the leagues and play through the league so having been someone that started off coaching toddlers and minis from the age of 15, 16, working my way through all the age bands across both genders. I always I was someone that was always kind of aspirational in terms of working with first team. And I was very fortunate to be presented with that opportunity last season in Canada, uh, working with FC London, a first division team in League One Ontario. Um, enjoyed quite a good season. Unfortunately, we're relegated on account of the points being amalgamated over two seasons, but last season finished mid-table, one of the youngest teams in the league, but one of the highest average attendances. And it was very, very interesting to be back in North American football, be it in London, Ontario, with a fervent fan culture. Uh, London's a fascinating city in of itself. You have an awful lot of immigrants, Koreans, Portuguese, Italians, and whatnot. So to kind of have that flavour and coming across into football or soccer, as you guys call it, apologies, Jason, was... Uh, was very very it was a pivotal it was a pivotal step in my own development and I was very fortunate I worked with some really really truly competent people in London Ontario some of the finest youth developers I was very fortunate to meet so I'll be very much looking back at that year and a half with very fond memories. Nice, nice. During your time in Dubai, obviously anyone who follows football knows about the investment that football has had in the Middle East. While you were there, was there, did, were you seeing the groundwork being laid? You brought part of that groundwork. Was that evident in your day to day? Um, the funny thing is, it's obviously, you know, as preempted by what's happening with Saudi Arabia at the moment. From the outside, there seems to be an awful lot of backlash against it for many a reason. But the, one of the main reasons pertinent to this conversation is the fact that you can bypass stages of development and you can just go and buy the best players in world football therefore in a way blocking the pathways of some of the youthful players that you have coming through your setup so for me in dubai 
can be frustrating at times um, for not only myself as a coach, but for others in terms of working with players for numerous years and not seeing any progression. We were very fortunate in Barris Academy. We didn't have that problem all the way up until U16, U17. And I know they have some fantastic people such as Marcel Lucasen, who's in, who's responsible for youth development in the whole of the United Arab Emirates. Saudi Arabia, um, having a little bit more knowledge and insight into their overarching plans for the coming decade, they're going to be taking away their focus from strategic and capital infrastructure and investment into youth development over the coming years. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that develops because, as you know, they have the former Chelsea technical director, Mike Lemonalo, who's overseeing affairs for the league. So it's, it's interesting. There's people with the best intentions that go into football in the Middle East in particular in Dubai that want to make a difference and that do. But for me, it's a, an exciting ecosystem and landscape to be a part of. Will we see the churn? Um, will we see past the churn? Will we see players rise through the ranks? It remains to be seen. But for me, I mean, what a place, what a city to be a part of. Would you go? Would you ever go back to the Middle East? Coach? I would do, of course. I would do, of course. Um, I reflect back very fondly, Jason, on the two two and a half years I had there in Dubai. Um, not only football wise, obviously lifestyle wise too. So yeah, that rule, and I'd have to carry it at all. Nice. Now, I remember seeing some pictures that you had posted during your time there and hopefully one day I'll get some players over there and maybe you'll be coaching at the same time. So we'll have to get together if that happens. Thanks for putting me in a shop window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone's listening that wants to hire Connor, you know where to find him. All right. Just let me know. We'll put you in touch. So let's shift gears a bit to, uh, to the lowdown because you started that three years ago, you mentioned. Um, and the motivation is was behind, you know, there was a bit of that gap in the sports content and everything. I'm actually, you know, I've, I've watched a fair few of episodes. Who's, I would say, who's been your most, I don't want to say impressive, but who's been the probably like the biggest personality you've had or like the most well-known, if that makes sense. It's a tough one because it really does oscillate and vary, Jason. Um, right. And it changes over time. We've been very fortunate, obviously, Whereas people at the start that gave me a chance when the podcast just came out, such as Thomas Grandmark, Liverpool's charismatic throwing coach and whatnot. I was very lucky and very fortunate to have one of the finest coach developers, uh, Raymond Verheyen, on the podcast too. Um, that was episode 79 or so. And then you can see after a while the quality of the guest and indeed the prestige of the guest continues to grow and grow and grow. But it's um, it'd be very unfair for me to kind of pick one because each and every person that comes on the show they have an awful lot to kind of offer. And the insights and anecdotes that fortunately I'm able to ascertain from them speaking about their experiences is brilliant. And for me, it's just pivotal to understanding, as you know yourself in your day-to-day -day role as an agent, you know, the path of progression is not linear, so to speak. And it's not cyclical either. You know, we tend to think of these things as working in cycles, but in reality, it's a cycle, but it spirals upwards. So for me, it's been interesting kind of fact-checked, I would suppose, my own progression in relation to some of the advice I would tether from speaking to people on the podcasts. Um, I suppose I'm not really answering your question, but I would have to touch upon a podcast I did um, late last year with Yanni Salasidis. Yanni I worked with at FC London. He's the technical director and first-team coach at the club. And for me, it was one of my favorite podcasts on a selfish note I've done today in terms of Yanni got his full personality across in the episode. He's one of those coaches 
that certainly there's not enough hype about him. There's certainly not enough furore that there ought to be with the work that he's done in new developments and shaping the game in Canada. I'm still trying to do my best to get him over to European shores sometime soon. But he's one guy that certainly a lot of people listening to this podcast should keep an, aim, or keep an eye on and go check out that episode. Um, some of his practices in new development are fantastic. Um, the terminology he speaks of, the practice coaching sessions and practices he'd be putting on, just absolutely fantastic. And he's a huge inspiration of mine, and he certainly shaped how I perceive the game of football. But uh, Yanni aside, look, all other 149 guests that have been on the show too, because there's some fantastic... Uh, insights and goal there to be plucked from each one nice that's really good to hear yeah it's interesting because i guess we're all you know you would say the same um working in sports is very it isn't necessarily linear everyone has their own path that's what i tell the players i work with you know everyone's going to have a different journey that might mean you go up a couple of steps in terms of being a player only to take you know a step backwards before you take another three steps forward so it's really, really insightful to the to the guests that you've had on the show. Um, on that sort of topic of everyone's journey, to any you know young aspiring professionals, maybe some UCFB students, what would you have as any kind of advice to those when you get started in coaching? To get started in coaching specifically, it, that's a good one. Um, and it's a case of you know the advice I give out, I best follow it myself, Jason. <laughs> but um, I. It's interesting because with coaching too, there's an awful lot different schools of thought and it, it's a dichotomy really. And what I mean by that is in terms of being a coach, your methodology for me has to be objective and it has to be top down. But that being said, your relationship with the player has to be bottom up. And at the end of the day, the player is, that, is the one that is going to apply those lessons and those teachings that you impart on them. So... For me, it would be to get to know the players at your disposal as quickly as possible. I don't mean by like a conversation here or there, by, you know, orientating yourself in a way to really get to understand the depths of and the granularity of their thinking. So obviously that could be an intermediate step, but getting into the game and beginning a coaching career for me necessitates a fair bit of experimentation and I would say not necessarily to limit yourself across coaching because there's people uh, Jason that want to get into coaching but they find it to be a little bit draining at times and it necessarily isn't a chosen path but you'd see these people go into analysis or event management or operations and they're actually the perfect fit for that sort of work so it would be to not only limit yourself to coaching for me you know in hindsight, I was very, very fortunate to have plenty of experiences in operations, event management, analysis, in fact, coaching across all age groups, across both genders, across every sector and phase of development that you can imagine before I got my break last season. Very fortunate. And what I'm trying to say is I am glad I didn't jump straight into first team coaching because armed with all those experiences, you get to see how people react in different moments of pressure. You get to see how the whole ecosystem shapes and moves together in tandem. And then you start to understand, right, th these are where my strengths lay. This is where my weaknesses are. Now I have some pretty objective feedback. And I think it's only when you gain that understanding, you can begin to seek out a mentor. And uh, 
that's a problem I find early days, students 18, 19, 20, they'll be so infatuated with one aspect of the football industry and they'll ask for a mentor when it's like, you know, go away and do your phase of experimentation. Then you can go to somebody and then they can take you away from making a false step here or a false step there. And I'm very fortunate. I do have a few mentors in my close circle and it's something I've only availed of in the past few years. And it's, it's something I hold dear to my heart. Nice. I like that answer. Actually, I, I tend to agree with you in the sense that there's different things you can take from having various experiences and other roles, whether that be in sport or outside of sport, that to a multifaceted career that would be coaching, you can take into and you can, you know, contribute a lot with your past experiences to be a successful coach if that's what your if that's what your goal is. Yeah, of course. And for me it's you know, it's interesting too. Like this has come up in countless conversations for one reason or another, Jason, the last few days. But the human brain um, often often thinks linearly as opposed to geometrically. What I like to say to that is that's the power of teams. It's the power of having a good support network. It's the power of two brains over one. So forming that brains trust, what do you want that to look like? And I think as well, once you understand that hunch, once you've you know, dipped your feet in so many different kitchens and then you've decided actually, you know what, chef, this is the kitchen I want to work in, right? Then you can begin to iterate and think strategically in the long term. Because for me, it's the learning to learn piece in football, the meta skills regarding learning. How quickly can you learn a second language? How quickly can you learn um, analysis in terms of clipping up? How, le- how quickly can you learn about video software and everything else? It's because, you know, they will throw the kitchen sink and more at you, especially in this industry. So being adaptable isn't um, a preferable trait. It's a necessity. That's really, that's really insightful, Connor, on the whole on the coaching journey and the different aspects of what could go into it to be successful. Um, so we're approaching the 20-minute mark here. And I've got one last question, well, two questions for you. One, one more so serious question for you. Um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Five years time, damn! I was I was wishing you'd say a ten. If you said ten, I could give you a better answer. <laughs> well, five, whatever, whatever. Five years time. time. Um, yeah. Look, contrary to what I said there, I tried not to put a time limit on these things. But to be honest, as I spoke recently, went in London with one of our colleagues, Sam Sam Adams. You know, we were speaking about thinking in long term projections and long term yeah. cycles, and for me, that's uh, something I've always aspired to do, and. I suppose back in 2019, if you were to push me, you know, my 10-year plan by the end of 2029 now, so that's only five years away. So if you have got your answer off me, is uh, to be a sporting director. Um, it's something for me that I hold close to my heart. Um, I would have gotten into contracting at a young age and would have been a project manager and learned things the very harsh way, that as you tend to do in the business world. But that earned me to enjoy what's been a fleeting career in football so far but a very very enjoyable one one that's taken me to many different continents all across the world to meet some great people so armed by that um being able to be at the helm of a top level sports organization in football in the coming five years that's that's the goal being able to impact your decision makers being able to impact your management and have that trickle down is something selfishly for myself that i aspire to get towards and that's not to say i have a lot of learning left to do which i do and 
for me to coach in Bogle, it's something, it's strange, Jason. I don't know if you've spoke to any other coaches about this. It's a, it's something like when you get in, it's very tough to kind of take yourself out of it and you just find yourself in this revolving carousel. So, you know, it's, you know, I've been off now the last six weeks. It's the longest kind of self-enforced break I've had from coaching for the last four or five years. Actually, that's not true. I was back coaching last night. So there you go. So, yeah, in the coming five to ten years, certainly it's to kind of get myself in as a sporting director, general manager at a top football club. And obviously between now and then, there's a whole lot of learning to do or a lot of big steps to take. But I look forward to seeing what the future years holds for myself. Nice. Nice. Yeah. To your, to your point about wanting to get back into it, I think that's the same for a lot of people that work in sport or around sports. There's, there's a bit of a niche bit of an addiction to it yeah it's funny actually i just finished the beckham documentary on netflix last night and if you haven't seen it highly recommend it and it's funny in the last episode they had you know all the players that were interviewed they're all saying the same thing in that you know once he retired he then went and announced excuse me he went and announced his uh purchase of inter miami right so then it was it was the whole thing of oh he can't take a break it's right back into it you've just got that unquenchable thirst for competition for you know performance to you know get something get something done and to compete which in sports that's that's the nature of what you're doing so so yeah, yeah and I totally see and look if you don't mind from. me adding to that Jason if you don't mind me yeah if you don't add mind me adding to that Jason I think there's an awful lot of you know to the naked eye people would say Beckham there is imbalanced you know should be taking time out to focus on his family and off the pitch matters and whatnot and it's yeah yeah I get that that's very fair but without doubt like he certainly integrated them into things and it's a case of not to feel guilty for optimizing your life for the one thing that you love doing and for me it's it revolves around football that's not to say like there's other parts of your life that you need picking up well no it's on you to integrate them but if you enjoy coaching if you enjoy being an agent what are you going to do you're going to you know study to be and work to be the bloody best agent and football coach in the world as you deem possible and why not and i i don't think people should feel guilty at all about kind of optimizing for that one thing so it is like a bug at the end of the day, but I'd say it's a welcome one. I, I wouldn't say it necessarily it's a bug. I just say it's a, f- a feature of the human condition, Jason, because yeah. you see it across football, you see it across arts, music, social sciences. We all but can't help. And we all know that first time we came across something we truly enjoy and love doing, we haven't been able to kind of let that go. And that's a, isn't that a wonderful feeling to kind of keep be following, uh, keep repeating and kind of going back to day and day out. Absolutely, hundred percent. Thanks, Connor. That was that was great. Now I just have one more for you. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Have you time? <laughs> Am I checking Google to see who's left in it? But no, um, <laughs> oh, it's a good one. Um, oh, Jason, I know the teams are left in. It, I'm joking. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> it's, Chiefs? it's tough okay. to look past Patrick Mahomes. Tough no, to look yeah. past Mahomes. Yep. He's a tough. I was the finest athletes to grace our time, but uh, who's yours? Um, honestly, I would love to see the Detroit Lions do it. Um, okay. I think they had the, you know, their coach. He's just a player's coach. It's great watching, great listening to him. They were the uh, the hard knocks team as well, like two seasons ago. And it's so hard not to 
want to see them do really well. So for the sake of avoiding, you know, a Taylor Swift Super Bowl win, I'll take the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Detroit, Detroit Lions, sorry. But after yeah, I, I think he'll do. I think, you know, it's it's his to lose at this point. Yeah, and oh, look, it's a cop-out of a choice for me, really and truly. I don't know how the form <laughs> book stands, but staying up until 2 or 3 a.m., I believe yeah. it was their time, <laughs> Sunday or Monday morning, watching the bill. I feel like I'm semi-invested in it now, so I might as well keep it up for the remaining few weeks. But Exactly. Um, Jason, no, it's been a pleasure having, having me on. I really enjoyed this first episode. What, uh, yes, what are your plans you, for the coming episode? What are your plans for the coming episodes? How do you see uh, this? Got a few more, got a few more lined up. Some of the, you know, former, former classmates and mates from um, from UCFB, then a few others who I've, you know, met along the way in my work as an agent. So um, I'm excited for this series. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'll be releasing this alongside the normal newsletter additions as well so something forward to fantastic no i'm looking forward to seeing what comes up in the next few shows i'll certainly be keeping an eye out awesome thanks man i appreciate it anytime great so i will put a link in the description for connor's podcast and for his youtube so also make sure you guys go check it out and connor thanks again mate this was great thank you jason the pleasure was all mine great thanks <laughs>